there's a phrase that we often use when we've come to recognize that what we saw, we thought we saw, we didn't actually see. That something is there that, that we've been missing. We use a phrase that says this, things are not always as they seem. And this phrase is becoming increasingly important as we live in a world where it's easy to project a picture of reality through media and technology and social media that isn't accurate. Maybe you've had a moment where what you thought you saw from far away, you got up close and you realized was different. The picture that somebody had presented to the world was very different than the actual one. That was the experience of this guy. His name is Carlos Whitaker. And Carlos had experienced a tremendous amount of success in his life as a follower of Jesus and a pastor. He'd been a worship leader and a worship pastor, kind of like Pastor Jamie, at some of the largest churches in America. That had led to him signing a recording contract and touring and doing concerts. Uh, He had even found some fame online through his blog and social media. With his family one day, they were driving down the road and a little moment happened that he captured on camera, which went viral for 7 million people. It even won them a People's People's Choice Award. And it gives you a little bit of insight into the way their family works. Watch the screens. (laughs) So from a distance, everything looked great in the Whitaker family. But things were not as they seemed. Up close... Carlos was having massive issues with anxiety. On a regular basis, he was battling panic attacks. Uh, That public life was very different than some of the private struggles he was wrestling through in his faith. And that marriage he had to his wife, Heather, was actually marked by emotional infidelity. And he was holding it all together. Until one day, it came crashing down. And it shattered into pieces. Heather separated from him. He thought his family was gone. He thought his life was over. And he tells the story of that season in his life in a book called Kill the Spider that shares the title of the series we're beginning today. A few years later, uh, the Christian counselor that Carlos is working with sent him to a seven-day treatment center, basically a year's worth of therapy in a week. And while he was driving there, he remembered that he was going to have to give up his phone for a full week. And so he called his parents so that they wouldn't be worried. And his dad is this guy, Fermin Whitaker. I encountered Fermin as a kid because he was one of the very few non-white leaders in my denomination, the Southern Baptist denomination. And as Fermin was talking to Carlos, well, first off, does Fermin look familiar? He goes, I've seen that face before. You have, because he's an emoji. (laughs) I mean, it's a pretty striking resemblance right there. But Fermin said, Carlos, I have a story to tell you. He said, Dad, I'm almost there. You're going to have to hurry. Fermin said, son, when I was a, a pastor, first beginning in Panama, I was giving a revival one night. And I preached my heart out. And this woman named Miss Ramirez, she came down an aisle not that different from this aisle. Miss Ramirez came down and she prayed with Pastor Fermin. She said, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Would you please pray that God would clean the cobwebs out of my life? And so Pastor Fermin prayed for her that God would clean the cobwebs out of her life. And she goes home, and he goes home. It's a multi-night revival. Second night, Pastor Fermin gets up, and he preaches his heart out. He says, he gives an invitation. And then again, Mr. Ramirez, she comes down the aisle. She says, Pastor Fermin, would you please pray that God would change my life and clean the cobwebs out of my life? And he prays for her again. She goes back to her seat and goes home. Third night of the revival, Pastor Fermin is ready. 
He preaches his heart out. Mrs. Ramirez comes down the center aisle and she says, Pastor, for me, would you please pray that God cleans? He said, stop right there. We are done praying that God cleans the cobwebs out of your life. Tonight we're praying that God kills the spider. And he said, Carlos, I've watched you for your whole life become a professional cobweb cleaner. You project a picture for the world that everything is together while in truth there are big, hairy spiders. If you're going to go to this week-long therapy program, don't go to clean out the cobwebs. Go to kill your spider. I got goosebumps as I heard that story the very first time about two years ago. And ever since then, God has been using that framework, cobwebs and spiders, to be like a flashlight in my life. To shine into places that I had been struggling with things for years. And I'm a big reader. I've read a hundred books in the last two years. I give out a lot of books. But I have yet to find a book in the last two years that people have responded to the way they have killed the spider. Because in my life, they've experienced the same thing. God using it to clarify places where they've been struggling and 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 never breaking free. And the central idea of that book and the central idea of this series is this. This is your big idea. If you've got a handout, I'd encourage you to write it down. The big idea is this, that we settle for cleaning cobwebs. When God has the power to kill spiders. We settle for cleaning cobwebs. When God has the power to kill spiders. For many of us, we have been struggling with the same thing for years or decades. And we've settled for something that Jesus never intended intended us to settle for. We've come to terms with something he never intended for us to come to terms with. And Carlos built on his dad's story and he added some definitions around these words. And we're going to use his definitions because they're not perfect, but they do a good job to describe the challenges we face. A spider, and I encourage you to write this down, a spider is an agreement we have made with a lie. A spider is an agreement That we have made with a lie. When you encounter a lie and you begin to agree with it and believe it, that is a spider, according to this framework we're going to use in this series. Agreeing with a lie. A spider is an agreement we've made with a lie. In contrast, a cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. A medicator, there should be a C in between the I and the A there. A medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. So so when you make the agreement, cobwebs begin to form because you don't feel good about that lie and you have to turn to things to make you feel better about those things. And many of us have pretty common cobweb reactions. When we encounter a cobweb in our life, many of us, our first reaction is to ignore it or to avoid it. It's that that whole, you know, if I don't see it or don't think about it, it'll go away. I'm not doing anything to fix it, but magically it will go away. The second response, when typically somebody sees a cobweb in your life, which is when you then have to deal with it, you go into panic cleaning mode. Some of you, this is what happens when somebody comes to your house and you're like, okay, I've not seen this dirt for two years, but somebody's coming. I got to clean it. I haven't been in this closet for two years, but somebody's staying in this room. I got to clean it. 
And then others of us, we go the whole self-improvement route. Okay, I've got this cobweb, I have this issue, I've got to clean it up and fix it. I've got to work hard to manage it. And for some of you, that's why you've been struggling for so long, is that you've been trying to defeat your cobwebs and your spiders in your own power and strength. The best line of the whole book I'm going to give you right here, in case you don't want to read it, is this. Carlos tells us that freedom doesn't come in striving. Freedom comes in surrender. If you've been struggling with something for years and years and years, is it possible that you've not found freedom because you've been striving to break free from it in your own power and strength? And is it possible that freedom is not found in your striving? It's found in wholehearted surrender. Not your power, God's. Not you striving and doing your best or working harder or having better will and self-discipline, but you tapping into a power even greater than yourself. So over the next four weeks, in the month of February, we're going to explore this theme of killing the spider. This week, we're going to discuss your cobwebs. Next week, we're going to discuss your spiders. The third week, we're going to talk about how do you corner your spider. And the fourth week, how do you kill it? Let me give you a little bit of a heads up of what's going to happen. Some of you are magically going to develop excuses to stop attending church over the next four weeks. Magically, the forecast is going to include weather that prevents you from getting here. You're going to have stuff that prevents you from even watching these if you're gone. And the reason why I'm telling you that is before I even got here to give this message, I've been experiencing that same kind of resistance. I've been experiencing that same type of opposition. In the places where you've been struggling for years and years, you have an enemy who does not want you to break free. You have fear even of leaving your cobwebs behind because you know them all too well. Even right now, some of you are beginning to feel nervous. This is a series where I may make you uncomfortable. This is a series where you may get uncomfortable, but here's my heart. I care more about your freedom than your comfort. I care more about you breaking free from the places where you've just been settling and struggling than I do you being comfortable. And I've been praying for you like crazy because I have this sense that God wants to release you in a way you've never been released before. And I try not to write checks that God has to cash, but I have this sense that God is about to do some really special stuff in our church and in your life. So please make it a priority to be here in February. And if you can't be here, watch online. And if you're watching online, I'd encourage you to be here next Sunday because God's going to do some special stuff. So today what I want to do is I want to share with you five truths about our cobwebs. Five truths about our cobwebs. And here's the first one. Spiders are born when we agree with lies. Spiders are born when we agree with lies. And this isn't an idea from a book. This is an idea rooted in the Bible. If you have a Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. And the first three chapters of Genesis give us a picture of how God created the world, of how God created humankind, how humankind lived in the Garden of Eden, and how everything went wrong. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see the very first spider being born. Here's what it says in Genesis 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Eve, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And that's where the spider was born. Initially, she hears the lie. Did God really say that? And she goes, no, no, he, he did say that. The serpent comes back and says, you won't surely die. And over time, she succumbs to the lie that God's not trustworthy and that you can't follow what he says. And a spider is born that we're still feeling the ramifications of today. Here's what you need to know. Encountering a lie is temptation and agreeing with a lie is sin. All day long today, even before you got here, you encountered lies about who you are. And about who God is. Just being alive means you're going to encounter lies. You're going to be tempted to believe in them and agree with them. That is not sin. That's temptation. It's universal. It's unavoidable. But agreeing with those lies, believing them, embracing them, making decisions, building your worldview based upon them, that is sin. And as I said, next week we're going to dig into what are those spiders in our lives, so you've got to come back for that. But one little teaser I will give you. If you've ever been through a season of trauma, if you've ever been through a season of suffering and pain, if you've been hurt, betrayed, abandoned, or abused, that is the nesting ground for spiders. Because when we are in those places, we become very vulnerable to lies. Lies about God and lies about ourselves. Many of our spiders were born in the most difficult seasons of our lives because we were vulnerable in ways that we didn't even realize. The first truth about cobwebs is that spiders are born. We agree with lies. Number two, cobwebs bring false comfort to those agreements. Cobwebs bring false comfort to those agreements. So when you accept and embrace a lie about God or yourself, that creates some tension. That creates some angst. It creates even some pain. And so you have to deal with that. And we know pain because it's what we experience on a regular basis. And for many of us, our first instinct when we feel pain is to reach for something that anesthetizes our pain, that numbs it. This is why all of you have your favorite preferred painkiller. Advil, Tylenol, Aleve, Motrin, Excedrin, whatever it is that you turn to. Because in that moment, you're tempted to care more about the pain than the cause. You're tempted to care about the short-term fix rather than the long-term solution. All of us have different cobwebs. And as Christians, we tend to judge people who have different cobwebs than we have. We judge people who struggle with things we don't struggle with. And other people judge us because we struggle with stuff they don't struggle with. We're an awesome little bunch here. (laughs) And here's some common cobwebs. Alcohol, drugs, artificial intimacy, you might call it pornography, gambling, Online shopping, work, even your phone. Any of these can become a cobweb when it becomes the thing you turn to to make you feel better about the spider in your life, the lie that you've believed, the thing that you believe but you don't want to believe it, and the pain that it's causing. 
And when we reach for these things, we're hoping that they will temporarily make us feel better in the places where we feel pain. But here's the thing that I know about cobwebs. If you don't go after the spider, the cobwebs only get bigger and more proliferating. And the same thing is true with your cobwebs. If you don't deal with the spider, it's going to take more and more frequent visits to that cobweb to make you feel better. What began as a glass of wine with friends becomes a bottle of wine every night to go to bed. What began as an occasional habit now becomes the thing you always think about even when you're not doing it. What began as a good tool now has mastered you and you're the tool of that thing. Cobwebs bring us that temporary fix. Number three, cobwebs bring a temporary feeling of freedom. First, they numb the pain. Then they give us the illusion that we're actually free when we're not. This week, I told you I've had some resistance to get here. This week, one of my children got lice. Killed the spider, killed the lice. It was kind of like God's little joke on our family this week. But I will tell you that by Wednesday evening, my house had not been that clean in years. We, we cleaned everything. We did 25 loads of laundry. It was crazy. And that's what happens sometimes when you identify a cobweb in your life. You go nuts on cleaning it. You, you get it all figured out. You think you get rid of every sign of it. It brings this temporary sense of freedom. But here's what I've learned about cleaning like this. Cleaning things, cleaned things only stay clean when they're unused. My kids were napping and my house was totally clean. And then what happened? They woke up. And your life, you try to clean up the cobwebs. You try to figure out the issues. And then guess what? You keep living again. You keep encountering difficulties again. And the cobwebs keep coming back. And if you've been struggling with something that you're now is clear in your mind, hey, this might be my cobweb, what you are tempted with when it comes to that struggle is to not chase actual freedom, but to chase the feeling of freedom. Some of us actually believe that what we want is the feeling, when what we actually need is freedom. And one of the questions I want to put in front of you today is this. What if we stopped chasing feelings and we started chasing true freedom? What if for a moment you go, I am going to feel uncomfortable, I am going to feel pain, and I am going to sit with it so that I can become unsettled enough to actually pursue freedom? For many of us, our feelings are what drives us more than anything else. And if you are driven by your feelings you will always choose temporary fixes over true freedom. Because true freedom is harder, and it takes longer, and it demands more. Because you're not just going to clean the cobweb, you're going to go after the source, you're going to kill the spider. Number four, the words of the work of Jesus is strongly opposed in our lives. You need to know that this place where you've been bound up is part of the work that Jesus wants to do in your life, and that work is opposed. 
Jesus famously said in John chapter 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Some of you have been wrestling with things and the people in your life have heard you talk about wrestling with things for years. And those things you've wrestled with have stolen from you. They have destroyed things from you and they have killed things in you. And that is not the work of God. That is the work of your enemy. He wants you to stay struggling. He wants you to stay struggling with pornography rather than being freed from it. He wants you to stay struggling with your spending rather than being freed from it. He wants you to stay struggling with anxiety or insecurity or depression rather than being freed from it. Because the work of our enemy is to steal and kill and destroy. And the work of God, the work through Jesus, is that you would have abundant life. And the truth is, some of you hear that and you go, it's not possible. I don't believe it, Scott. I can't have abundance. That might be your spider. That you've given up on freedom and you've decided that God doesn't love you. Or his power isn't as powerful in you as as everybody else. That might be your spider. A theme in this series is going to be the reality of spiritual warfare in our world. That we have an enemy and that he opposes us. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this in his book, Screwtape Letters. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Some of you don't believe that you have an enemy and that he opposes you. And it makes you vulnerable to all of his schemes. And some of you are obsessed and believe that the reason you had to park far away this morning is because of the devil. (laughs) And that's a problem too. But you need to know that if you start leaning in to the work God is doing to set you free and to kill spiders in your life, you are going to experience opposition. You're going to experience resistance. I tell you that because I've experienced that in killing my own spiders, and I've experienced that getting here today. Peter, the close friend of Jesus, said these words about our enemy. He said, be sober-minded and be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. One thing I hope this series does is to rid you of the lie that you are the only person struggling in the way you are struggling. That you're the only person who has a hang-up you just can't get over. That you're the only person who has a struggle that you've spent years trying to break free from. Because that's one of the lies that our enemy wants you to believe. That you're the special one. When in actuality, you're being opposed and you're being attacked and your freedom is being resisted just like everybody else's. And then number five. Jesus didn't come to help us survive. He came to set us free. Some of you have settled for surviving. You said, hey, I'm just going to cope with this for the rest of my life. And I can't guarantee what God's going to do in your future, but I can tell you the purpose and reason why Jesus came. It's just after that passage about the devil prowling around like the roaring lion. 
and it's not known nearly as well. In 1 Peter 5, verses 10 and 11, he says, And after you have suffered a little while. So let's just be clear. The Christian life is not without suffering. Following Jesus does not make you immune from hard things. This is the fine print of the Christian faith. You may not have been told this when you decided to follow Jesus, but you weren't getting a get-out-of-hard-things free pass by following Jesus. But you were given a promise of hope and the ability to overcome. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion and power forever and ever. Amen. So you may be in a season that's lasted a really long time where you've been surviving and coping with some struggle or weakness. But the promise of God in that place is after you have suffered a little while, God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You will not always be defined by this. You will not always be dominated by this. You will not always be bound to this. One day, you will be restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established. And that's really good news. Especially for those of us who've punted that and given up on that. This is the the unspoken truth of the church today. Is that there are many of us that have simply settled for less. We go, those songs we sing, those are for other people. Those testimonies, those are for other people. That freedom, it's for other people. This is the temptation of the cynic. To choose to not be disappointed again by desiring less. And living for less. If you've been hurt, if you've been wounded, if you've been disappointed, cynicism becomes very tempting And it becomes a shield you put up to prevent you from being hurt again. You say things like, well, if I never get my hopes up, I'll never be disappointed again. If I never believe again, then I won't ever have to deal with it falling short. And what that does over time is it lowers your level of desire. And you give up on what God wants to make available to you. Again, I turn to the words of the infinitely wise C.S. Lewis who says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Is it possible that you have settled for less than all that God intended for you? Is it possible that all that Christ died and rose from the dead to make available for you, you've given up on and your desires are not too strong, they're in fact too weak? This is where I want to remind you that this is not me up here preaching to you a book. This is me up here preaching to you the power of God in the cross and the resurrection which is the antithesis of striving. This is not a series about how you're going to work hard enough to be freed from that thing. I want you to give up on the idea that you can set yourself free. 
I want you to give up on the idea that through will and discipline and effort, you're going to break free from this because you are not powerful enough. If you were going to do that, wouldn't you be free by now? If you were going to overcome this in your own power and discipline, wouldn't you already be free by now? Maybe it would be wise to try a different route. Maybe it would be time to, instead of striving, surrender to the power of God in the cross and the resurrection. Remember, freedom isn't found in striving. Freedom is found in surrender. To quote the words of my childhood hero, Tim Taylor, you need more power. More power. And so today, as we begin this series, I know there's lots of things I'm not going to resolve, but I want to help you get started today. And so in the back of your handout, there's some next steps I want to lead you through. Here's the first one. I want to challenge you to spend this week identifying your cobwebs. Remember, cobwebs are the medicators that bring false comfort to the lies. And I have three questions there to help you with this. Here's the first one. What are the struggles I just can't seem to break free from? What do you struggle with year after year after year after year after year? Number two. What do I turn to when I want to feel better about my feelings or thoughts? What's the thing you grab for that temporary hit of numbing the pain? And then number three, where have I settled because I began to doubt anything else was possible? If you can't answer these questions, I promise you people in your life who are close to you can. And that may be the moment where you decide how much you want to be free. Because it'd be more comfortable not to ask them then it would be to ask them. But asking them might make the cobwebs clearer, which might make the spiders clearer, which might then set you up to locate and corner and kill those spiders. You have to ask yourself, do I want to be free? Honestly, there are some of you I don't think want to be free. And you're, don't worry, you're not that different. In the day of Jesus, he went up to a blind man and said, what do you want? I want to see Jesus. But he asked him because he didn't know for sure. What do you want? Do you want to be free? Start thinking on the cobwebs. Number two, I want to encourage you to invite someone who needs this kind of freedom to be a part of the series. Maybe you're sitting here thinking about somebody. You go, man, my friend needs this so much. Well, then bring him next Sunday. Drag him here. Buy their lunch after. Buy their coffee on the way. Get him here. Send them this link. Maybe some of you who are watching online, you need to be here for the next three weeks. And then number three, begin praying today for victory. Because you are going to experience resistance. You are going to experience opposition. And if you didn't, you would already be free. We're going to begin praying today for victory. Before we do that, I want you to know that the name of this book that I've been mentioning in this series is in the bottom of your hand. That if you want to pick up a copy, you can. And to do this, instead of just talking about praying in church, we're actually going to do it. And so if you're able right now, I want you to invite me on your knees. I want to invite you to join me on your knees. And I want us to pray together that this would be the beginning of a season of victory and release in our lives and in this church. If you're watching online, I encourage you, if you are somewhere, to get on your knees too.
God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And God, we confess that we have been in our own power and in our own strength striving for freedom. We've been trying our own tactics. We've been trying our own methods. We've been trying to work for, in our own power, what is only possible through you. And so we pray that you would bring clarity in our lives to the places where we have been medicating lies and believing lies. We pray that we would surrender our lives to you so much so that we could experience your power in a very real way. We pray for the places where cynicism and skepticism and pessimism has broken in and led us to settle for less than all that you intended, God. We repent of that today. And we pray that you would bring release and freedom and victory through the power of your blood and through the reality of your resurrection, God. In the places where people within the sound of my voice have been struggling and bound up, God, I pray that you would set them free. Not for their glory, but for yours. Not through their power, but through yours. God, we pray that after we have suffered a little while, you would confirm and restore and strengthen and establish us and lead us into that abundant life. And we pray against the work of our enemy who wants to kill and steal and destroy God. We pray that you would bind him in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would send angels to push back against his work in this place. And we pray that a spirit of revival and a season of freedom would break free here, not because of us, but because that is your will and your heart. God, we pray for the people who need this who aren't yet here, and we pray that through us they might find that hope and freedom. We thank you for all that you've done for us, God. We don't deserve any of it. And so we thank you and praise you for it anyway. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.